coming up on this episode of The Hive Life. Now there are growing concerns about the deadly coronavirus officially hitting the U.S. Right now, we've turned to alarming numbers in the coronavirus pandemic. Those numbers have set records. Today, I have signed a stay-at-home order for the entire state of North Carolina. Nobody knew what to do that first couple weeks of March. It was really hard to, to comprehend. We started having conversations in the leadership meeting of being like, what does this look like? How is this going to impact business? I kind of have a feeling like this could be a problem. It was the most nervous I've ever been in my whole sales career. There was no work coming in. If there's no work coming in, you know, why would you keep a person that had only been there for a couple months? A lot of him is like, this isn't fair. We were doing so well, you know, and this just sucks. I could tell that emotions were rising. I just can't imagine what David and Tim and Jared must have been going through, trying their hardest to keep everything afloat and to take care of the Spherical family. That, that stuff, it's really taken a hit to me. Going through all this stuff, it, it tries to destroy you, what it tries to do. Welcome to The Hive Life, where we pull back the curtain on Spherical Media, a company based in Charlotte, North Carolina, with a team of former journalists that create beautiful, impactful stories that connect with your audience. Welcome inside the Spherical Media Podcast Studio for a special edition of The Hive Life as we dive into the backstory of our first documentary, Saving Spherical, which has won two Best Documentary Awards and been accepted to a third festival. This film, which was officially released in November of 2021, also served as the catalyst for the launch of Spiracle Films. And to give you a bite-sized summary of what the film is all about, Saving Spiracle takes an intimate look at three business owners as they navigate and look to survive the beginning stages of the pandemic while trying to keep their personal lives intact. And those three business owners are represented here on this podcast, Tim Baer, David Kernodal, along with myself, Jared Latch. And guys, I look forward to this discussion today. We do have a cheat sheet in front of us, but hopefully, or the intention is for us to go back and forth and, and ping each other and, and take people deeper uh, behind this documentary. Yeah. And I think we start from the beginning, Dave, a little bit about, you know, how did this all come about? I think you talk about it at the beginning of the film, but I mean, just give a little background and some color to that. So about, I guess the time that the idea of the documentary came out, uh, Free Solo came out. And I took a deep dive in Free Solo, and there was the Dr. Dre Beats Apple Purchase documentary. I don't remember what yeah, that's I called. Yeah, I loved it, yeah. It's, uh, uh, now oh I'm not going to forget it, too. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's good it was so good. Yeah, yeah, great, great, great show, guys. Great, great show. <laughs> but I loved it, and normally I've got things like that playing in the background of whatever I'm doing, laundry, you name it. And I was like, man, it'd be awesome to flex that kind of muscle. Because typically at Spiracle Media, we're doing three-minute pieces and these small nugget stories, and we're never able to really flesh it out in its entirety. And I remember getting the sales and the marketing team together at the time and saying, look, I, th I think this could be really cool. I have no hook. I have no idea where it goes, but it'd be great to do a story about you guys 
and being young entrepreneurs in a video space, which is already rare in itself, but to last as long as we have is even more rare. And, and while they acknowledged that it was a good idea, there were other special video needs at the time. And so we kind of tabled it. And we were in one of our meetings, one of our annual leadership full days. And I think you posed the question, Tim. You said, you know, what, what do you want to do ultimately? Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I'd really love to stretch my legs and try like a documentary. And really quickly, you were just like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> and you're like, you guys had said you're, you're doing a book and maybe you can offer some more context to that. Yeah, how's but, that book? Yeah. <laughs> How is that book? Too? Yeah, right. It got off to a great start. start. We yeah. had it mapped out. Yeah. Uh, then it then it just kind of stalled mm-hmm. out because there were a, a few other things that happened during the course of 2020. <laughs> but it was to align with the 10 year anniversary. That that was the goal of the book, and we were going to have, you know, 10 different chapters uh, and look at different partnerships, different companies, uh, people that we were connected to, and parallel their story to ours, and have some some business lessons. And uh, hopefully, we can get back to that at at some point. But that was that was the goal and the impetus behind the book. And we thought, you know, that'll that'll gel well with where we were trying to go then mm-hmm. with a documentary about Spiracle Media, which would mark our 10-year anniversary, which happened uh, early March. Uh, let's see, we're in 2021 now, mm-hmm. this, 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 this year. past year in March. Yeah. So I'm glad we didn't do that documentary. Yep. I'm glad we ended up doing the one we did. <laughs> <Me> <laughs> <laughs> um, why do you think this film's important? And these aren't going to only be questions to you, but maybe, Jared, if you want to pick mm-hmm. this one up a little bit, because I think, you know, I'm having trouble now as we are almost a month into pushing the film out there. We've talked about it with us being in the film. It's a sort of this weird thing that it feels self-serving to try and push this film out there. So I guess, you know, thinking of reasons outside of the fact that it's about the three of us and our team, why would it be important? I think to me, and now that we've had the opportunity to watch it several times, uh, get feedback from individuals at some of these film festivals, which was the first time for me, and I think all of us to be a part of that environment and to hear real world feedback uh, outside of our circles has been pretty powerful. But when I look at it now, I think it's because of the humanity of the piece. And, and that's what really resonates with people is that we all were vulnerable about certain things that are so highly intimate and personal in our lives. And it shows through at a, a challenging time for so many people. So when I really look at it, I, I don't necessarily look at it as our story. Yes, it is. Yes, we're front and center. But I've gotten out of that a little bit where I think it's it's much more than our story. We know it applies to businesses. We hear that anecdotally and through conversation. But it also applies to just people in general that were going through any sort of extra challenge that was brought on by the pandemic and the unknowns and where do we go next. Everybody had to make decisions, whether that was loaded up on the business side or whether that was on a personal side. And I think that's what really gets me is that it is vulnerable and honest and it's human. And for us as storytellers, it really hits the jackpot in terms of what we would want to share, an intimate look. If it wasn't about us, that's what we'd want to do for somebody else. So I think it's that human aspect for me that I really take away of feeling why it's important, why anybody can watch this, I think, and take something away from it. So if we had done this documentary on a company across the street, um, do you think you would have had the access and the emotion that you did get or the knowledge maybe that you did have? Because I think sometimes we talk about, you know, the value of not knowing something going in. So you're asking more questions than you would if you knew things. Um, 
I know for me going through those interviews, I was much more, you know, open and honest because it was you and I know you. And, and so it, it felt like a comfortable space. I wasn't really thinking about the fact that there was a camera there. Um, and that's something we're always trying to do, but do you think it could have been the same or somehow, you know, what, what do you lose if it's about somebody else? That's a good question. I like exploring, especially not knowing the people and really not being able to flesh out their story or knowing their story full on before going into the interview. And that maybe the detriment to doing this story about us is that we knew everybody's cheat codes and we knew everybody's like emotional buttons. And the question was, when were we going to push those? Mm -hmm. And do we push them right out of the gate? Do we wait and put you on the line and exhaust you a little bit? And then we go there. And so it was a little bit unfair Sounds like a cruel game. <laughs> totally. You had on, it on definitely end. was. That's kind of how I compare it. I mean, because Marionette. Like, yeah, when do I press the button? We, we would, and so like Morgan and I had crafted all these questions and kind of the direction of all that stuff, but we already knew what you guys had been going through. And so we knew you guys have huge hearts, you're emotional people. And so it's just a matter of time or the right question and whether it's framed a certain way, whether we were going to get that out of you. Did we want to do that out of the gate? Uh, probably not. We probably would have lost a lot of context to what you guys were really going through. But I think if we were to go across the street and we were doing a story on them, it'd be more exploratory. Yeah. And, and, and for somebody who asks those questions, probably be a lot more fun doing mm -hmm. it that way because there's yeah. some distance there. And at the same time, you're getting there organically versus I know where this is going to go. And looking at those, I was going to ask you about the interviews. Yeah. Because being on the other side, you know, we've always been on the flip side, you know, camera. And then we went behind the scenes for a little while. And then we came back for this. But for you, I know I always get on you about TV Tim coming sure. out. And you get on me for TV Radio Jared. Mm -hmm. You know, and it just sort of goes. It is what it is. Yep. But for you, I, I, it was just so natural. It wasn't TV Tim. Mm -hmm. So you were comfortable in... I would have to think that was because of David, like you mentioned. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we were doing these interviews early in the morning, so I'm not the most greatest <laughs> morning person. He uh, didn't have time so, to kick in the other that was part. That was part of it, too. I think Dave was purposely putting me in sleep deprivation. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think it was, one, I wasn't telling somebody else's story. So when you go into that TV mode or whatever like that, you're, you're sharing someone else's story. So telling my story um, and what I was going through it was much easier just to have a conversation and to talk about it. I think, um, yeah, I think the emotion that was there was also part of it. I mean, just like you said, you were finding times to press buttons, finding times to, and the questions, you know, if, if you go back and look at the raw, I mean, the questions aren't long. Hmm. It's literally like three words just to start you down a road. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, as we went through it too, I think I got more comfortable too. I mean, I think we had, three interviews maybe two I don't know what it was but um, but yeah I think that was also part of it is that I knew what I had said before I knew what I had gone through and I was much more aware of my surroundings than I normally am just because it felt like everything was falling down um, so yeah it was I, I think it was a unique situation I think if I was talking about you know everyday business or something very easily could have clicked into you know that mode where you're just trying to put on a good face and and talk like that um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was, you know, you did a first cut of the film, showed it to some people. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing was you and your story was missing. And now looking back on it and seeing the elements that your story brings to the whole 
picture. I always wondered what you thought about that addition. I know you did it begrudgingly, but I think it sort of made sense after you got some feedback from people. Yeah, so going back to your question a, a couple questions ago, just it being about us, is that when you're when I edited that first whip, I was creating connection points because I already knew the context of the story and I already knew what was going on. But I think people who had no connection to the film were like, I have no idea why we just transitioned from this point to this point. Right. But subconsciously I was making those connections. And so it made sense to me. And I was having these arguments with myself when I'm editing, like people are going to get this. This is going to be fine. <laughs> so their, their advice of, you know, putting, some context in there and having somebody kind of carry through the story or at least get it started and like why we're doing it and who are these people and that kind of stuff. Um, I started to see the value when we started getting that kind of feedback in. Right. And so it made it begrudgingly doing <laughs> it, but obviously seeing the value and understanding that there was going to be, I think as viewers who have no connection to us would have a better understanding of exactly what's going on. Yeah, and I think the coolest thing is hearing from the people that did see it before and then saw it after. Yeah. And they were like, ah, there it is. Yeah. Like, it, it actually was what it was supposed to be. Right. Yeah, there was a lot more additional layers that kept adding to it the more and more feedback that we were soliciting from the public and friends and, and folks who were just in the video space. They were offering a lot of stuff to help this layer, this thing to help tell better stories for sure. Now, I know we want to talk about, you know, what we learned in the process, and I want to hold that thought for a moment because – you would ask me, you know, why I think this film is important. And I'd love to hear your two perspectives on why you think it is. I mean, I think similarly to your answer, I think that um, we've obviously, we had a showing with EO entrepreneurs organization here in Charlotte and to hear from them directly as fellow business owners that went through very similar spots. And some of them excelled during the pandemic. Some of them were tragically hit. And I think that, you know, I've had one person tell me, well, you know, you got through it okay and you got to the other side and that's not everybody's story. And I and I'm, I was like, yeah, I know it's not everybody's story, but there are parts within this story that I think people can relate to. I think the, the family side of the stuff, what we were going through in that world um, with illnesses and deaths and marriage stuff and all those kind of things, um, that also is what people connect to. So it's not only the business thing and the fact that the business made it through and the fact that we got to the other side. Um, sorry, spoiler alert if you haven't seen the film, but um, <laughs> we're still here. Um, but I think that is where I started to see that, you know, people that were open to it could see themselves in different parts and different characters throughout it. And that's where I see there's value. That was a lot of the feedback that we were getting back, which is like, this is everybody's story which is really interesting. I, you know, to that question, I, I don't think there was any intent as this was being edited that this is the audience, this is why, why this film is important. It wasn't until it was being shown to people where I was like, oh, that's why that's important. Somebody can relate to that. Somebody has gone through like the business side of that or the personal side of that. I'm curious, did you know while this is being put together, at least some of the trickle of the information from it, because we held off on letting you guys watch it for a while. Did you think, where is this going to go? Who's the audience for this? Yeah. I mean, we hadn't <laughs> figured that out. And yeah. still, even today, what we're talking about is that the obvious is business owners. That's what we look at at the top of the list. But 
I think it's much more vast than that. I mean, I show uh, friends from church or other groups, and, and they watch this, and it, it resonates. And it has nothing to do with being business owners. It says, thank you for being vulnerable and honest. That's what they see. Those are probably two words that I get out of, out of any feedback raw. that is there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, raw. raw, vulnerable, honest. And there's a thank you attached to that. Never intended that to be any part of the equation. Sure. No, that makes sense. Did, did you, I mean, I know we're going to talk process, but when you went into it, what you thought of making a documentary, was this what you thought it was? Was the process that you went through what you thought it was before you did it? And I was always interested in the iterative process where you did start getting feedback and then made changes over time, which to be honest, artists technically don't love that. They like getting to the finished product, putting a bow on it and saying, here you go, take it as it is. You did a very iterative process of, of levels of different whips. And I'm, I'm interested to see, did the process go like you thought it would? And what did you learn from it? It's extremely vulnerable, number one, being a subject in it, and then also being the person that's kind of behind the scenes putting it together as well. Right. And so I was apprehensive about all the feedback that would be coming in. Because yeah. I was like, oh boy, it's a double whammy. <laughs> yeah. Both, both egos are going to get hit. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but, you know, uh, you, you've been tempered so well on the spherical media side that, like, you're, you're used to feedback and it coming from everyone or just one source and it can be you know with flowers or it can be you know with a gavel so I mean it's really interesting so um, we kind of set that up I think it was from your advice to trying to get people that weren't associated with us to try to give us feedback on that mm -hmm. I don't think I expected it um, to the degree you know we were getting it from a lot of people um, and I expected the worst and yeah. Um, it was actually a lot better than I expected. It, when you said raw earlier, mm -hmm. that was, and I told you guys in a leadership meeting is like, that's, that's the common word that's being used every single one of them. I don't know if that's good, <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that was, that was the common thing going through this. The other great thing is I think if I would have gone into this project by myself, Lone Ranger and try to produce this thing, it would have never gotten done. And so I think having somebody like Morgan and having Elgin and those folks really supplying a backbone, something to lean on and benchmarks with dates and things like that. And also working really hard to solicit and get feedback. This project probably never would have never would have gotten done. You know, and another interesting part of it, and we hear this, too, is the inclusion of the wives and having that behind the business, because in business circles, you don't see that very often. You see the business owner or the entrepreneur, you don't really get to the the family aspect of it, and there's no better person in in the home as a spouse or significant other that deals with us, you know, on a day to day basis and really sees it. They don't know how to respond because we're on sort of our own island as a business owner, but they're there and they support it, and and they got a they've got a front row seat. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. My wife always jokes she's the only one that didn't cry in the <laughs> film. Um, and she's like, no, that's just didn't me? cry either. I know. I don't think JC did. No, no JC didn't know. cry. Sam, really, Sam has really internalized that. and that, that She yeah, hasn't cried? She's, but she's like, she I'm came back to back with me, then I made her look bad yeah. on the emotional yeah, side. Yeah, you were always <laughs> yeah. crying. I mean, you were like waterworks. He pressed a button yeah. when he, he didn't yeah. even have to press I the button. I know. It was just done. But yeah, I think you're exactly right. I mean, that piece of it... You know, it's funny, the P 
people that respond to that the most are other business owners because they don't necessarily know the other side of the coin. They are not seeing it through the wife's eyes. And so for them to see it through the wife's eyes, they're always thinking about it as I'm on my island, I've got to deal with the business, I've got to do this thing. And so then to hear about it through the family side, um, it's sort of like a, a realization a little bit, a little slap in the face of like, hey, wait a minute, there is this whole other side to this, this equation and you're not the only one that's suffering. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that was you early on that you, you pushed for that. And I think that was one of the key parts to make the film actually successful is to be able to hear the bigger picture than just our side from inside this office and what that's like. Yeah. The, the interesting thing was, and it was not expected was both your wives gave very similar answers, which is, I know my husband's love me, but I know that they also love the business and love the people within the business. And it's a split of time. And, um, they weren't saying it necessarily in a negative sense, but coming to, I mean, they've obviously already had that realization, but, but obviously verbalizing and saying, look, I'm splitting time really with two loves, which is the love of business and, and their love for me. And uh, I just thought that it was really interesting through that process. And I don't think a lot of people who know you guys just as business owners would be would know that from your other half you know and I think that's just really interesting so I was really glad that it was interesting that they answered it the same way but it was really glad mm-hmm. to include them in this piece as well you know and you mentioned the two interviews I think originally there were supposed to be three interviews and then what ended up happening is my whole family got COVID in January oh, right. of 2020 so and JC was pregnant at the time and so it kind of shut down the the third phase. Mm-hmm. I always look at it as, okay, the second interview, I, I'm pepped up a little bit more. I got the, the, you know, the lights, Christmas lights behind and feeling better. And I'm like, man, if we just had that third interview, I would have had it all together. But you know what? That wouldn't have been an accurate, an accurate representation to have it all together. Mm-hmm. No, because the pandemic point. continued for another year that we didn't right? know about, um, which is pretty nuts that we're sitting here a year after that and still uh, in this thing. Um, yeah, I mean... It's funny. I think I, I think we said everything that needed to be said, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we would have been beating a dead horse uh, if we did that third interview. So I, I, I was happy with how it, how it turned out on that piece. But, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you didn't feel like you had any lack of Mm-mm. stuff. To you didn't necessarily into. need it. Right. No, I mean, we talked about it behind the scenes, whether we would go back and revisit the third interview. But, yeah, I don't know what we would have gotten out of that we were coming off the back end of a really good leadership retreat where we were feeling really amped up and we were trying to convey that excitement to the rest of the team. And it just seemed like a high when we started on such a low, that's a good way to, mm-hmm. to end this piece out. And Lord knows if it got really bad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> then the, I think the hardest question was, when do we stop? Because we could keep telling the story and this rebound and things like that. So like, I think it naturally stopped. In, in that December time frame, but mm-hmm. like that was a big question. Like, man, we could really continue to do this because there was, you know, the governor was doing, you know, more press conferences about, you know, maybe more mass policy, maybe shutting down some businesses. And so, like, maybe we should turn the cameras back on again. And so, I think the hardest thing, I think, for any creative is just stop, just you put it on the shelf. You know, one of the things I always think about when I watch the film, obviously, I've seen it a ton of times now. Um, is the emotional roller coaster you take the viewer on. And I know it was on purpose, but there is a moment in the middle of the film 
where there feels like, okay, things are going up, things are good, things are coming out. And then all of a sudden it's like, man, mm-hmm. you know, families fall out of our dads die and like all this crap comes piling back on. And so like I can, I've heard this from numerous viewers. They're like, Oh, I thought we were good. We were, we were there. We were going to get to that end. And then all of a sudden it's like slap you across the face again. Um, I mean, how much intentionality went into that when you watched the pacing, when you saw the storyline developing, how did that play out? It was so doom and gloom. (laughs) (laughs) How you didn't go into a deep depression during the edit. I know I was going through it during the editing process. So like it was very intentional because I was like, we are just destroying who would want to watch this (laughs) at all with how negative this is. And so I love that question because like, yeah, that was intentional to bring you back up, get the viewers giving us fault, not a false sense of hope, but more hope. It's like you're bringing them to the surface to get some air real quick. Yeah. Yeah. In the fishbowl. Because at the end, that's all that personal, you know, turmoil that, that we were all kind of going in. And that's so heavy on the back end of just like the business struggling as well. And so I was like, I gotta, I gotta, I can't do that to them. And so I was searching for every little bit of, rainbows and unicorns to put into that whole section <laughs> before really dropping the hammer down that last section. Sure. And one more follow up on the editing in post, because we hear it quite often. I know that some of you, you were able to bridge some of the gaps, but people will say, and I know Tim has heard the same thing that was this scripted because it comes together so well. So my, my question to you is how much did you have a, a blueprint originally? And then how much organically when you went in there that it just sort of, you're able to mold it together and, did it follow what you thought it would or did you have some twists and turns as you went through to figure out, okay, here's how I want to present it. Yeah. I mean, you guys have worked together so long that you kind of already finished each other's sentences, <laughs> whether you're in the room or whether you're not. Right. And so that proved itself during the interview. Um, yeah, it's interesting. You're more, he's more analytical. Jared is. And then Tim, you're more emotional. And so you balance each other really well in those interviews. Um, which made it really easy to put together. A lot of those questions were intentionally done so you guys can bounce off of each other. Because I didn't want it to be one really long soundbite from Jared and then another really long soundbite from, you know, Tim. I wanted you guys to be really quick and going back and forth, you know, adding to the story. And you're telling the same story too. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you're telling two separate ones. And so it all kind of melds together really nicely. And you know what's funny is, is that you just said that and it just sort of clicked to me. This is the first time that a film, everyone was going through the same story. Mm -hmm. That's the first time that's ever really happened, that the entire world was going through the same story. And that's it's, never happened. And isn't it crazy, though, when you're going through it, you're like, I'm nobody, alone. I'm alone. Nobody <laughs> I'm alone. else is going through it. Right. But again, that feedback that we got and yeah. then obviously our internal talks is you're exactly right. Everybody's going through it in one degree or another. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't alleviate the stresses, but it makes <laughs> no. you it, it normalizes it. You're like, OK, so it's at varying degrees. Everybody. And it's like any other conversation with somebody. You learn more about that person and you're like, dang, that's what they had to go through. And I'm like, I went through something similar too. We're all so connected. That's a that's a great point of that. You got the whole world that's dealing with the ramifications of the pandemic at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it's just weird. It's it's never happened ever before. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, you could say like earthquake and everybody in that city went through it or whatever, but never has the whole world been experiencing the same thing. It's it's pretty wild. Um, we talk about you know 
all the stuff we went through in making the film, getting to this point that we're at now, like where do we go from here? I mean, I have my visions and thoughts about it, but what do you guys see as, you know, what are next steps? What's what's going to play out with Satan's Miracle? Well, I think there's still a, a continuation of the story that can be shared in, in person. And I think where it ends is where it, is where it ended. And we're all okay with that. And, and the story is what it is. Uh, but the story doesn't end. And so I think uh, the opportunities that, that Tim and I, or if David, you're in the room with us, and, and we visit some entrepreneurial business owner groups, which we've already done, there is a continuation of the story, uh, both personally and professionally. So I think that's a big part of where we go from here. Uh, the other is just having the ability to, to share this, this film with people, because I think there is that human aspect, and there are different pieces of it that resonate with everybody in some way. It's not just the business owner. It's not just the, the significant other that's behind the scenes. It is, you know, there's so many things that you can connect between. And I think what we've created, I don't want to call it a gift. We, we didn't have these goals on the front end. You were going with it. I don't want to say we were playing along, but we were active participants in the story that it's just important to, to share so that people can be moved emotionally. I know that you had an individual that that watched the film and said it, he took it back and he he went back to things he hadn't taken care of in the previous year that he just swept under the rug and he said this gave him the the courage to say you know what I need to go back and I need to look at those things that I didn't take care of whether that was was mentally physically whatever whatever it was in his scenario but it moved people to action and, and I think there's something for everybody in watching this yeah and I'll throw it to you because I feel like you're sharing it with a lot of people. Like, yeah. Where do you see it going? Yeah, I mean, you know, the fun part is always I talk to you guys about the business side of things and what that means. And I think um, I think the, the interesting piece is, is that we went down this road of doing this film before we had really fully baked distribution, um, business case, any of those things. I think um, we were like, okay, let's do it. Let's try it. Let's figure this out. See if we can do it. Let's see what that looks like. And then obviously... COVID fell in our lap. And so it became what it was. Um, I think that there is definitely a, a big place in the entrepreneurial world to do events. I think screenings, Q and A's, those kind of things. I think that's going to happen. We're doing one in January down in Charleston, really excited about that. Um, and so I think I see that playing out. Um, but I think, yeah, getting as many eyeballs as possible on the film is, is the most important thing. I think it also, allows us now to have something that's a calling card for spherical films, which really came out of this. Um, you know, I don't know that one, if you were successful at pulling this off, that we would have gone down that road. I don't know that if Morgan doesn't go through everything she went through and then leaving and then um, still working on the documentary after leaving that she's here as the head of production. Um, I think a lot of things happened for a reason. And so I look at this film as sort of the birth of spherical films. And, and, and now really this film is going to give way to what you guys can do next. And when you look at that path, I mean, for spherical films, you know, we know some of the things that you're working on. I know there's a few stories in the pipeline and you can speak in generalities or as broad or as specific as you want. Just, filling people in on, you know, where we are in the infancy of, of spherical films because it just officially launched in, in November. 
Yeah, it's all about original content and passion. You know, we are trying to follow our nose to great stories that we care about that isn't necessarily being dictated by partnerships and brands and things like that, that we're finding value in the stories that we're telling and we want to tell them passionately. And so we're following that. Um, I think our, our intent at the moment is to do some short films and hopefully that leads to a larger story that we can roll out in documentary form. So um, please go on the YouTube channel and subscribe and follow us on the social because um, we're going to bring you along on this journey through these small episodes and then uh, these series and then uh, hopefully the, the creation of something big and impactful. And I think maybe one thing we can leave people with is, is for you guys too. I don't know if we talk about it. You know, what did you learn most? We, we asked this on other podcasts. <laughs> Coming through the pandemic, we're not out of it by any means. But what have you learned about yourself, whether it's through the process of saving Spiracle just this this last year, you know, almost two years now, which is crazy to think as we get toward the end of this one. For me, um, I wouldn't, you know, I'd rather, or I don't even know how to say this. I, would, I wouldn't want to be with anyone else in the boat than you guys. Um, and it just affirmed that, I think, uh, because we got pushed to the limit and we still were able to stay friends and business partners and be able to rebound. So for me, that was a big learning um, piece. I think, um, secondly, I mean, I think that the power of family um, to me, I think I took some of that for granted. I think I took, you know, my healthy daughter, Charlie, and my soon to be at the time, healthy daughter, Peyton, I took some of that for granted. And, and I took my relationship with Sam for granted. I think it was just, you know, we were going through life and sort of just running and, you know, you don't take that moment to pause. And COVID gave us a real chance, whether we wanted it or not, to pause. And, you know, when I was at my lowest lows, Sam was right there beside me um, as a backbone for me. And so that's where I found a lot of strength in getting through what was a crazy year and a half so far. Um, and so that to me is the biggest thing is I got a second to pause and realize the value of my family and how important that is. I think I've I think I still thought of family as my family, like my mom and dad and my brother and stuff like that. And I didn't think about the fact that I had this whole other family that really was growing. And um, I don't know. It, it, so it really made me take a pause and think about that. So those would be the, the two big things, my two families. What's your big takeaway? Um, this is, yeah, that's a tough one because uh, I, I I appreciated and, and I, I kind of back away from the business conversations with when you guys are in the room because I, I learned to respect you guys on a completely different level. I already looked at you guys as, as mentors, as friends, as business partners, as my bosses, you know, all those things. But um, how steadfast you guys were and how dedicated you were to keeping not just the business going, but taking care of the people was um was super impactful for me and it was one of those things where you know I, I think i will never forget that as long as i live um and then the people that are behind the scenes you know the team um they, I, I hope it doesn't come across cliche as as like somebody who's in like a management position or, or from a partnership position but the amount of appreciation that you have for them and i think Haley said it really good in that documentary is that you know, outside of my family, you know, the people that I work with are people that are right 
you know, in that, that upper tier of people that I love and I care about. So it's wonderful that, um, those folks are still here and, um, that this company keeps thriving and that, um, we're making great and beautiful content and I would, wouldn't want to do it without you guys. And I certainly wouldn't want to do that without them. So I'm just super appreciative of all that. So I'm more appreciative now than I was before COVID. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing for me with, with both of you, but it's, it's just a different level of gratitude uh, now because I'm still a serious person, but I, I feel like I was even more serious before. And I realized that a lot of that stuff doesn't really matter. You know, there's, there's few things. So you're able to look at that and do that. And I think the other thing that came through was uh, respecting the space of JC at home, you know, looking at, uh, I know the first couple of weeks were really, really hard work at home. And I looked at them as a disruption and she pretty much called me, called me out and put me on the carpet for that and said, this is their home and you're in it. And so for me, that was, uh, that was tough. Uh, but it's just, it's just a renewed gratitude of, of everything we're doing and, and realizing that uh, most things are not worth worrying about and they're going to work, you know, and you've got to trust the process and, and the way things are, things are going. Yes. Yeah, stay in the urgent and important box. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> not the urgent and not important box. That's no. the worst box. We've got to switch boxes. <laughs> yeah. Help me figure that out. We well, you know that's going to wrap things up for us. And we hope you enjoyed this conversation. We hope you'll watch and share Saving Spiracle. And you can do that by visiting the feature page of the spiraclefilms.com website. You can also find the channel, subscribe, like David mentioned, on YouTube. And find out more about Spiracle Media by heading to spiraclebuzz.com. So I want to thank you guys, David, Tim. I'm Jared, and we want to thank you for for listening and watching. You've been listening to The Hive Life, brought to you by Spiracle Media. Always remember, you can visit spiraclebuzz.com or follow us at Spiracle Media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. We'll see you next time on The Hive Life.